You are listening to Alter Echo, a scripture and message podcast with pastors Andy Smith and Kim Kylo of St. John's Lutheran Church, ELCA, Lakeville, Minnesota. Thanks for joining us and worshiping with us. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Alter Echo Sermon Podcast for the week. It's so good to be with you, as always. And we find this uh, avenue, this portal of technology to be one that allows us to be connected in this way, um, in a unique way of worshiping God. We always will come together here at church and as a community of faith, worship together and praise God and share our both our our yearnings as, as well as our joys, sorrows as well as our faith. But in this unique way, we also can share with each other God's truth and, and proclamation of the gospel and our own faith in it as we know that God um, holds us together through all kinds of uh, barriers, even if it's the barrier of the space between you and me as we share this together. We are not divided or set apart, God brings us together. So it's good to be together with you. We are in the second half of the month of September already. Fall is starting to march on. And yet this time of the year, for many of us, me included, is the most sought after time of the year. The leaves are starting to turn. I can even see it out the window of my office here in Lakeville. And uh, the the air is getting cooler and uh, it's just a wonderful time. So thank you for being here. This weekend, we are continuing our series on making your life count, and today the theme is make your, making your generosity count. You'll hear more about that in just a little bit. But the broader umbrella this fall here at church is whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. And so the challenge to us to think about how our lives count in this world really draws us to say, am I making my life count to the glory of God, to God's way, to God's goodness, to God's glory that obviously impacts in the best of ways the people's uh, lives who are around us and our own as well. Today the gospel is from the Gospel of Luke. It is chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. It's called the parable of the dishonest manager. And I'll invite you to open your Bibles now. Pause this podcast if you need to go and run and get your Bible. Open your Bibles, though, to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. And here is how it reads. Then Jesus said to his disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property. So he summoned him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Give me an accounting of your management, because you cannot be my manager any longer. Then the manager said to himself, What will I do now that my master is taking the position away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do, so that when I am dismissed as manager, people may welcome me into their homes. So, summoning his master's debtors one by one, he asked the first, How much do you owe my master? He answered, A hundred jugs of olive oil. He said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it fifty. 
Then he asked another, And how much do you owe? He replied, A hundred containers of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and make it eighty. And his master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth, so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into the eternal homes. Whoever is faithful in a very little, Jesus says, is faithful also in much. And whoever is dishonest in a very little is dishonest also in much. If then you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, who will trust you, who will, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters, for the slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in wealth. Dear friends, this is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Well, everyone, as we begin to reflect on this and ponder, will you pray with me? Lord God, open now our minds and our hearts so that the openness is expansion, not shrinking. So that the openness is, is space and mind energy to listen for and hear and sense your guidance of us. And by your Holy Spirit, fill us with new faith and with new faithfulness. Amen. Well, the theme this week is, as I said earlier, making your generosity count. And the gospel story that goes with it is this parable that we just read, Jesus' parable of the dishonest manager. Often, we learn truth or the better and more faithful ways to do things in our lives from stories that show us the opposite of this. In this case, today's story, is the opposite of generosity or the opposite of faithful living for God or the opposite of honest dealing. This past week, another prominent story of dishonest managers came out in the news. It involved the former governor of Mississippi, Phil Bryant, and former pro football quarterback, Brett Favre. Favre, who is worth at least $100 million, imagine that, received most of the credit from Mississippians, say that word 10 times fast, huh? For raising funds to build a new volleyball stadium for the University of Southern Mississippi where his daughter had played and gone. Glory to Brett, apparently. What came out this week, however, is that Favre and the then governor redirected at least $5 million 
from taxpayer funds that were meant to go to the lowest income citizens for welfare needs. They redirected those toward this luxurious stadium. The multimillionaire and the governor stole money, big money, from the poorest and most needy in Mississippi. <laughs> the parables in the Bible are just stories from, aren't just stories from a day gone by, are they? No, if this isn't the parable of the dishonest manager in the Brett Farvin, former governor of Mississippi story, then I don't know what is. What's the difference between fraud and generosity, huh? Well, it's everything. Night and day difference. What's the difference between lying and generosity? Night and day. What's the difference between greed and generosity? Night and day. They are polar opposites, mutually exclusive. They are emblematic of opposite types of people's souls, of perspectives, of goodness or not. For all the times we yearn for more clear-cut right versus wrong categories, at least here they are. The opposites powerfully illuminate the truth, and they clear the way for us to much more deeply understand and be humbled by God's way, by God's abundance poured out toward us so that it can live in us and by God's continued presence with us in helping us reshape our lives and our perspectives more and more faithfully toward God's. What happened in the parable today? Well, in a nutshell, a manager of an owner's property and business had been fraudulently, fraudulently running the business. The details are few, but the fraudulence is all we need to know. The owner found out and told the manager he was done, fired, and would be sent packing. But before the manager left, he decided to do one final thing. He decided to make it look to the customers like he was giving them a deal so that they might find sympathy for him <laughs> once he was fired. Glory to the dishonest manager, apparently, huh? However, here is where the parable takes a twist. Once the owner sees that instead of his business hemorrhaging money, Money is actually coming back in like it is supposed to so that a business can thrive, albeit not at 100% of the debts that were owed. He makes a shift. The twist is that the owner commends the dishonest manager for this. Why, though? Perhaps it is because instead of pure greed, and dishonesty, and fraud, and theft, and most importantly, the small, ungrateful, unfaithful gratification of the self by the manager. No care in the world for anyone else. Perhaps it's because he senses that the, par the manager's paradigm has changed, even if out of necessity. It changed at least partly 
toward finally working for the one who gave him work. It changed toward being what Jesus called shrewd. This is a positive use of the word shrewd, as he worked innovatively and strategically to correct his past abuses, even if he didn't correct it all the way at the moment. It moved in the right direction toward more honesty, though he wasn't all the way there yet either. It moved toward a new paradigm that included everyone in the orbit of the manager's work, which demands honesty and sharing, rather than his former paradigm of self-absorption, pure selfishness, even lawlessness. The owner commended him for changing, for casting off his old sin, for showing a new resolve to move to what is right and good. And the owner told him that in this life that allows us the freedom to make wrong and selfish decision after wrong and selfish decision all the time, not only are there second chances, but there is a calling toward us to be more shrewd and creative and innovative and strategic about living out what is honest and right, what is good and faithful, and especially what is generous, that has the power to break the spell that selfish, greedy self-gratification can hold over us. And this, dear friends, is the most important part. Generosity has the power to break the spell that selfish, greedy self-gratification can hold over us. Hmm. Think about that just for a moment. There is a knee-jerk reaction in us as human beings to get as much as we can for ourselves first and maybe even exclusively. We know a thousand people just like this. This is at the heart of the parable. It's part of the human condition of sinfulness and the human dilemma. But we and the world cannot exist long if everybody is only out there getting what they need and want for themselves. That's a self-defeating proposition. So to break this, there's also an existential and spiritual need in us to share with others as a core principle and need and to cause ourselves to share more abundantly with freeing generosity. It's what keeps us not just sane, but also grateful and joyful. What does greed and stinginess and fraud and dishonesty do to us? For a very temporary moment, maybe, it might make you happy. Maybe. You've maybe gotten something you want. But deep down, something else is happening inside of us that is cancerous. Your soul is darkening and shriveling and dying. 
you're losing friends, or maybe you gain a few friends, but they're all the wrong types of friends who will ultimately use you or sell you out when you're not worth anything to them anymore. You lose your job because your fraudulent, stingy, greedy ways have done you in. And your identity is that of a small, solitary, sad human being. Who thinks about these things, though, when they're climbing the ladder of success and counting the dollars, when they think they should be able to make as much money as they can and that that money should easily be translated into fun and friendships and happiness? <laughs> money can't buy these things, though, can it? Why don't we instead learn the paradigm of generosity, of sharing, of willingly and joyfully giving, which opens up our hearts and our minds and even energy and feeling of fulfillment exponentially more? Why don't we teach and learn this perspective from the very start? It's God's perspective. It's the right and holy and true perspective. What greed and fraudulence and dishonesty does is snuff out possibilities everywhere in this life. This is the clear-cut truth of the power of greed and the unwillingness to give and share. But what generosity and joy and sharing and giving does is create a world of possibilities for all kinds of people, many of whom we'll never know. Wonderful. <laughs> for people, even though in our orbits, who we do know and love. And for life itself that gets turned on when the people of this life have generosity and giving in their DNA and in their souls. This goes to the depths of our very spirits as people and as people whom God is blessing and guiding in our lives. Generosity opens up every possibility in the universe because generosity breaks our old self-centeredness and releases us from that tiny, sad perspective where possibilities are otherwise just snuffed out one after another. Generosity gives to God's people who hope and who have hope and faith and expectation to see what God can do with us and with our sharing this chance. The good news of the gospel here is that God commends us for stepping out and stepping away from our old selfish perspectives and gives us a new chance to be a partner with him in God's generous love and way in the world. So, everyone, how are you making your generosity count with the life and all the gifts and blessings God has given to you? May God empower us and use us to God's glory of love and life for the world in which we all live, God's beloved world. Amen. And now God's word is alive in us again anew. And we get the blessing of being called to let it echo through us out into the world in which we live. Everyone, 
If you wish to give your offering now to support things like this podcast and the work and ministry of St. John's Church in Lakeville, Minnesota, I invite you to do that. Please go to our website at sjlcl.org. I'll repeat it, sjlcl.org. And up in the right-hand corner, you'll see a little button named Donate. Hit that button and you can give your offering to God and for the work of God in the world through this church in Lakeville, Minnesota. Thank you in advance for the gifts and the offerings that you give. And now as we go on our way, we are sent with the blessing of peace, the benediction. Dear friends, may the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face and the rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, till we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. God loves you, everyone. God be with you until next week.